today we are going to talk about the women in agriculture. I don't know if you all want to take a second to just kind of introduce yourselves and explain your positions a little bit. Dr. Lacey, do you want to start? Sure. So, uh, like I said, Lacey Butler. Um, I am the business development uh, director here at Cobb Vantress. So, um, I also hold some nutrition uh, responsibility as well. So I'm in, involved in all of our new product development and nutrition, which seems like a weird combination, but it, it works. So that's what I do here. Nice. I got the coughs. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I would also like to know, kind of backtrack, have you always been an ag? How did you get there? I mean, I think that's an important part of our story as women who are in ag now. You know? Yes. Okay. I How did we get here? Doing an introduction. So sorry. Um, no, I think that's important for this group to understand. Right. Okay. So, oh goodness, I grew up on a farm. Uh, it was a small dairy, and then and uh, a brother farm. But before I was born, they changed to a commercial uh, rabbit facility. Um, anyway, so I grew up doing that, uh, and then my parents owned a plumbing company, so I grew up doing plumbing as well. I did plumbing in the summers and then helped, uh, do the dairy, uh, or, um, it was small by the time I came along, but it was, um, just a couple, not, not much, but anyway, so always around ag, but didn't really know what I was going to do. Loved animals in general, uh, wanted to be a pre-vet. Or I went into school to be pre-vet, but then um, got into the poultry science pre-vet at Arkansas and uh, loved the poultry science part. Mm -hmm. So I stayed with that. So I um, got my bachelor's 20, well, it was 1998. So however many years that is, 23 years ago, um, bachelor's in poultry science. And then um, came to work at Cobb Ventures then. I've been here for the 23 years uh, doing different roles within R&D, uh, our great-grandparents, grandparents, so all the pipeline. Then I went to Europe and did technical service there uh, for two years and then came back to the U.S., did production again um, for a few years and then went to um, technical service here in the U.S. And then I decided to go back to school and get a Ph.D. <laughs> for uh, nutrition. So that's where the awesome. nutrition piece comes in. Uh, but again, I've done multiple facets within Cobb, so that's where the new product development, just because I understand the R&D piece and the customer piece, um, so that's where all that plays together. And I technically fall underneath the uh, North America Business Unit, so I have responsibilities of all of our pipeline nutrition um, and mm -hmm. working with the feed mills. So that's kind of the background on how I got to what I'm doing now. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's very helpful. Yeah. All right, well, <laughs> oh, you want me to go next? Okay. Well, so um, I started, okay, I'm a fifth generation, fourth generation. My children are fifth generation cattle producers. And so we raised both a commercial herd and a registered genetics herd that we pr provide seed stock for people who are working on F1 crosses commercially. And of course, I provide a lot of show show calves, <laughs> heifers, people that are trying to, you know, for 4-H and FFA kids and try to make that uh, really good genetics accessible to them for not much money. You know, try to perpetuate the the idea of doing the best you can with the animals you've got. So and in a commercial focus, 
Um, I, you know, if you were raised on a ranch, you do everything. And I'm one of four girls. <laughs> so there were no men in my family besides my poor dad. So we did everything. You know, we calved out the the heifers. We calved out the cows. We ran the sick pen. We um, were all very carefully educated. So that yielded. Um, my first job was with uh, Eli Lilly in the food animal division. So I worked with uh, dairy, beef, swine, and poultry for nutrition and for veterinary, for uh, animal health type things. Um, I was on the crew who launched Mycotil, if you know anything about that, a lot of respiratory bugs. I worked on um, on residue, antibiotic residue issues back when it was be- becoming an issue. <laughs> Tells you how old I am. Um, I was around for the Blue Ribbon Task Force in 1995 that determined the source of E. coli in beef um, <laughs> and how to detect it. Um, I'm a microbiologist by training, cellular biologist. I have focused on the post-harvest end, post-college. After I finished out there, I went to work in the clinical section for 12 years um, in, in neurobiology. So that's what I did. And then when I got the opportunity, I chose to come back to AgBio because food safety and animal health and those things are really my first love and where I feel the most comfortable and I feel like I can give the most back to the universe. Safe food, you know, good animal husbandry, those things. So I'm back. I've run labs. Um, I've been served as a ruminant specialist for some companies along the way for their micro, for their lab uh, and and post-harvest facilities. I've done a lot of work against E. coli in beef. Uh, salmonella and poultry and other other areas and then listeria and dairies where I spent 15 years of my career <laughs> trying to do something about identifying and reducing and that that's me in a nutshell and now I'm here and I help other other people talk to customers that's what I do. <laughs> Nikki how about you? Okay so I am the senior lab manager here at Anatox. Um, I started here just about 12 years ago now, and I actually started as a research technician. I have a bachelor's in chemistry where I started out with a desire to go into the nursing field and found that biology was not my <laughs> my good spot and ended up falling in love with chemistry, organic chemistry to be exact. And so kind of switched gears and went down the chemistry route and then, you know, graduated, started applying. And I guess I got an interview here at Anatox and lo and behold, here we go. Now I'm doing chemistry, but also back into the bio side and kind of actually fell in love with the micro. Uh, (laughs) You know why? Because you're doing practical world now. You're doing the real world stuff. I bet it's why. Yep. Um, I get it. Man. I get it. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was quite interesting, you know, just kind of switching gears, starting out as the research technician and then being able to work my way up to um, just managing the lab and managing it on all facets of not only the R&D side, but our customer service um, side with the, the samples that they send in. So that's been really neat and Definite growing on that on that yeah. front. Um, on the ag side, I kind of just fell into agriculture. Um, but one of the, I guess, a neat little thing about myself is, so my family's originally from Iowa, and <laughs> we've got a corn and soybean 
farm that I'm co-owner of up there that's been in our family since 1882. So I have a little bit of, <laughs> you know, I guess, connect the dots to agriculture and Absolutely. just being able to work here has helped connect some more, connect some more dots. That's awesome. Awesome. So if you guys were to describe a typical day in your role, what would that look like? Um, Melissa, do you want to start this time? <laughs> sure. Um, so I have responsibility. Uh, kind of goes three different ways. So I, so I have an inside team that works um, like on the customer service end, the outreach team, people that are at a, at a floor level with our, our current customers. And that people that are thinking about becoming our customers. So there's a whole lot of education that goes on there. Um, understanding trends that like if we're hearing something in the field, uh, you know, of, of a particular viral threat or maybe a business threat. Like recently, the USDA announced that they're going to start doing more with Salmonella and Campylobacter. So there's a lot of buzz about that. So I try to make sure that they're current. I try to provide the right uh, detailed information so that they can learn more and be current when they're talking to the customers, do a little training and monitor that activity. And then I, the second uh, pillar of what I do is I work with my outside technical sales team, some of whom you know, like Amy, um, Lacey, <laughs> you know, Amy and yes. Candy. And so we, um, our goal is to really, truly, number one, do a good job for the current customers that we have by understanding their business and by helping them solve problems. And then number two, to look as a partnership forward with them to understand what's coming down the, the path for them as potential uh, future challenges. And so that might help direct our research back in our end. Um, it's very important that we understand what the customer's dealing with every day so that we can provide the right solutions those kind of things. So a customer involvement, but also technical involvement and then understanding the industry climate that we're in or where I spend my most of my time there. Um, and then on the other end, it's a uh, customer outreach myself, you know, from my, I'm kind of unique, you know, it, it, in my last role, I was very unique because I was someone who was helping sell um, services, but I had also been a customer. And so I can understand a, a commercial viewpoint while at the same time understanding my company's goals. And so I'll try to do the same thing here. I'm not a poultry producer, but I have been uh, a producer of livestock, you know, all of my life. And I understand the economic climate I understand that they need to be able to be profitable in. I understand the regulatory climate. Um, so I try to reach out to customers proactively on a one-to-one, -one, uh, more of a global. So customers that have a complex environment where there's technical needs. I try to get involved on those and try to help solve problems and make things run smoothly from Anatox's point of view. So that's what I do. I start in the morning with Europe and work my way over to California, usually by the end of the day. <laughs> Dr. Butler, how about you? Uh, similar. So um, as far as the work workflow, as far as Europe to mine's more Asia to California, same concept is. <laughs> Um, I, I'll dig into the new product development piece of it first is that um, that day looks like um, I take over after R&D. So after the R&D, they work on the pure lines. And then from there, I take over the, the crossing of to, to try to find the best product for our customers. 
So that means like this male with this female and then and then maybe it's this male on this combination of male and female anyway. So we got three way crosses in the past. We used to only use two way crosses, but now we're um, introducing more hybrid vigor aspects. So I'm involved in all of that. Everything from the great grandparents where we're doing the cross, the grandparents where we're crossing them again, and then to the parents, which is actually our product. We sell that day old baby chick parent, and then they then make a brother from that. Um, so I am working with customers in that breed choice, breed placements, and then doing the brother trial. So I may find myself in a processing plant, working with customers, trying to figure out, okay, where's the best yield? Where's the best, um, as far as breed combinations go. So that that's that piece. I may be in a processing plant or I might be in a great grandparent facility. Um, then on the, the feed mill side of things or the um, nutrition side, I am responsible for trying to find the best products to also help our pipeline uh, get the most egg production, fertility, that, that concept, um, and be salmonella free because it is expected that our day-old baby chick yeah. starts that pipeline for our customers in their fight against salmonella. So that's where the relationship with Anatox comes into play, uh, where uh, we use formaldehyde um, to try to treat incoming ingredient, ingredients and through the feed milling process. So I'm very involved in that in different projects, trying to optimize nutrition around that. So really my day looks like that um, last week I was on a uh, Zoom call with a feed mill in, in Africa teaching them how to use a, a feed formulation program. So I might be doing that or I might be today I was on a farm this morning uh, looking at some nutritional issues. So, um, yeah, it, it's kind of a gamut. I really some days have to sit there and they say, OK, what hat do I have on right now? And then really have to focus myself into not being scattered, but um, but I, I really enjoy. I work, actually work best uh, whenever I have. I work yeah. better with 20 irons, irons in the fire versus one. One, I will. I've told the boss this. I will create a mess if you give me. <laughs> if you only give me one iron, I'm gonna. I'll find other irons to throw in there. <laughs> like so, um, I really enjoy that multitask, multi multi hat scenario. So. It's interesting. I do too. I get it. <laughs> All right, Nikki, I have a different question for you. Are there any individuals or organizations that have influenced your career? I would say one of the most influential people I've had in my so far in my career would be Dr. Kurt Richardson. Um, just being able to work alongside him in this industry and with the lab and the practices. He himself has taught me so much, not only on the understanding of the micro side, but just being able to take the little pieces that we do here in the lab and be able to connect it yeah. out in the field and on a bigger picture so I can understand and then take what I learned from that, that little piece and apply it to some other projects in the future or other similar scenarios. So then I guess this can be kind of a group question. Um, what do you guys think the future of biosecurity and agriculture looks like? 
Well, I'll start this one. At, yeah, this, this is a lazy question. Absolutely. At, yeah, at Cobb, we, you know, we we have shower-in, shower-out facilities, depending upon the, the line uh, or level. So at Pedigree, we have you shower into one flock. When you leave that flock, you have to then go shower to go to another flock, right? So that's just the showering. We have complete clean-out between every flock, all the salmonella we're testing every week, and we test for more than just human pathogenetic um salmonella so when we say salmonella free that means zero that even those that do not affect humans so um and the reasoning for that is around um our shipments to to different countries they may test for salmonella if they pick up anything so i think it's going to become even more uh important i mean we're seeing it with uh the african swine flu right that um these emerging we see it with humans right we see these emerging viruses and 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 pathogenic you know e coli's and things like that that um you know we're just going to have to become um better at uh managing not only our our the security of our livestock but those of humans as well and it, we're just going to see it intensify as people become more educated. I mean, if you go back 200 years ago, we didn't understand, right? We just knew you had to cook everything. <laughs> you had to cook it, well, cook it to crisp. So um, I think it just more through education and, and science, like it just intensifies how much we learn how important biosecurity is. Because um, we're constantly adding to our biosecurity systems. We don't take away. Uh, that's true. So effort time and money towards that are only increasing you know i was at the beginning of this curve in 1995 when we realized there's something that can harm people and so diagnostic capability is where things every time i've seen a generational change it happens because there's a diagnostic capability that is improved with technology you know nikki we go from pcr to to targeted real-time pcr we go to the CRISPR model, you know, next we understand microbiomes as opposed to snapshots in time of one sample. We're getting more savvy about understanding our threat and the vectors that introduce threats. Um, a whole lot more that we used to know just because we can. So what I've seen happen over the, the decades, <laughs> over the 30, 30 plus years, is that as diagnostic capability gets improved, regulations will follow. Mm-hmm. Like we couldn't really regulate Campylobacter because we had a difficult time culturing it, you know, in vivo in a lab. I mean, it's just we were struggling to get consistent results. As molecular methods improve, that's less of an issue than it used to be. And if we can find it, then they can regulate it. And so the biosecurity overall, uh, this is my philosophy, if you back up to the 10,000 foot view, if you have good biosecurity and you're consistently doing the interventions that you know work, they tend to work for everything, whether it's viral or pathogen or so it comes down to good animal husbandry, good practice, a robust biosecurity program that covers all bases. You can't cover everything, but you consistently do the best you can and you adapt to the changing environmental pressures. And, you know, I've seen companies like Tyson Cobb and, um, you know, JBS and to the people that raised beef on, with the Blue Ribbon Task Force, I've seen them alter their animal husbandry practices in a way that benefited the industry. And instead of it being a competition, it became a shared industry experience that we all brought each other to the the eventual goal that we all have, which is to produce safe food. Produce safe food 
efficiently and in a way that we can still profit from. So it's only going to be more and more focused and regulated, I think, led by diagnostic criterion capability. And Nikki may be able to add in on that. What you can do now that you couldn't do 15 years ago? Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely think there's some being able on the lab side, seeing different improvements in the methods and various technologies that they have available. I mean, even within the, I guess, the 10 years where I started as the lab tech and doing some of the more basic um, methods and being able to bring in some of the really neat fancier equipment type stuff that will help us identify salmonella or, you know, even go as simple as how quickly and easily we can count plates now instead of the manual method that we've, we were using when I first started. So, you know, just those developments are quite neat. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Well, you guys, this was really great. Um, thank you all for contributing and letting us know a little more about what you do and who you are. Um, do you, does anyone have anything else they'd like to say, wisdom to impart? I'd like to hear, I think, um, because I'm older, I know how different it was when I was in the 80s, being a, a young woman entering the agricultural uh, world, you know, the ag bio world specifically. And I see, like, my children's generation, uh, 25, 30 years coming in, and I know what a difference there is. <clears throat> excuse me, Kathy Cornett was one of my first mentors and she was the first woman that I knew of to run an agricultural marketing firm in Chicago. And she encouraged me to be myself, <laughs> to own my own space in this industry and not be afraid to go up against, you know, the network was very uh, relationship driven and there was a certain way. And then in the late 80s, you had all these women. You know, Now we know that over half of the, the vet school grads are women. Back mm -hmm. then, it was not that way. There were virtually no PhD monogastric nutritionists out there running around the world. Um, some of the microbiologists were about even uh, in the, the field. But there's been a dramatic shift in one generation. And I know, yeah, Nikki's near, there's been a dramatic shift and the employment numbers are changing. And I think the challenges that women face, young women face coming into this environment are much different than the ones we had. Um, I just I see a huge difference. And I think it's an, I think it's an, a better difference. I think it's an improvement. Much to the point that I've struggled to. I've been told, OK, you're to your point, like I had nobody here. I was one of the few women here as I was coming through. And I just kind of, I think I plowed my path. And I actually mentioned that to one of the gentlemen on Friday. I was like, analogy. I literally plowed, like I plow through things. And I yeah. don't look and realize. So I'm struggling to teach that of, of you know, this, this group of women that are coming behind. And they're like, well, how did you do it? I'm like, oh, <laughs> like broke I, ground. I have to literally make, broke ground. Yeah, and so I've been a mentor to different to different women that are coming up through Cobb now, and it's um, I struggle to teach it sometimes because it's like um, it's different. Like you're what saying, their challenges were different than mine. Mine are mine were I don't even know that I really paid attention to them. I just just kept just plowed through it. Yeah, um, because I didn't have anybody that had plowed through it before, um, and now I have to look back and go, okay, how did I? 
you know, how did I do it? And I sometimes I don't have the answers for them. Um, so, but I'm trying to, trying but to. But your experience will speak to them. You know, the, I had, I'm like you, I had no one ahead of me. Yeah. There were 15 people in my division. I was the youngest. I was the only female. I was the yeah. only non-PhD that was working on one. And I was like way down the totem pole. And I mean, it, it was breaking ground. It was breaking ground. Now they come in more at a level. I mentor four, uh, four young women a year. Mm-hmm. And I'll get somebody out of school and get them employed in their first or second job. And then I graduate them out of my mentoring program. And I mentor someone else in that's coming. That's like a junior. Usually I pick them up as a recommendation from faculty. Mm-hmm. And they still call me over the years when they run into a, a situation they don't know how to handle. But it's not a technical mentoring. It's more of a social mentoring. Yeah. And that's what I hear you saying, Lacey, is that you're socially helping them navigate the career path that's not always really clear for women as much as it is for men. You know, if you if your career gets interrupted to have a child or your second or your third child, the response is different if you're a female than if you're a male. How do you know, how do I handle this? What is my work family balance? I spend a lot of time in work family balance with women, basically because I've made every mistake you can make over the last 30 years. <laughs> I'm trying to help them find the balance. Well, and that's where I usually start. I teach them where I made mistakes. That's the best (laughs) thing I can teach is, you know, I, because I grew up like you, I had, it was me and two sisters and a grandpa and a dad that was like, we didn't have an option. You were going to go either help feed animals in the morning or you're going to go help plumbing and and do that. Um, And I was the oldest of those three. So, um, Again, looking back on it, I, I didn't know any different, but um, trying to teach that. And um, what's funny is one of my interns, probably from seven, eight years ago, she, her and her young family, she's got two little boys, were at my house all last week. Um, so it was kind of interesting to see her and some of the paths that she's taken. So to your point, um, some of those interns or uh, people that I've mentored in the past kind of come back, but it is, it's more around the social and the, it is. the family balance stuff that they, they seek knowledge on the best. Uh, it's not the technical stuff. I can teach that anybody any day of the week, right? That, that's the easy stuff. So. Yeah. Agreed. And yeah. that's where I'd like to see this group and this, I guess this is a way to kind of end this, a nice way to end this, but. I think if we mentor and support other women coming into AgBio and help them with a path, mm-hmm. we'll have more and better. And it's just, I like where things have gone over the last 20 years. I expect it to be even better. And I think that they're balanced better than I even have. And they absolutely are. They, yeah. I know they are. I know they are. And I, and I approve and applaud that. Yes. Absolutely.